growing up, um, even today, uh, we don't talk about mental health in the ways that we should. Um, so I felt alone. I didn't know why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Could not explain it. Welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I am here with Connor, the host of the weekly IG Live series, The Neighborhood Series, this amazing series meant to amplify people's stories and let others watching know that they're not alone. To learn more about this series, follow Connor on Instagram at blueeyedconnor. Connor, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really? Hello, I'm doing great. Um, you know, it's uh, the... After, it's the week after a long weekend, so just getting uh, back into the swing of things, but everything is going uh, pretty good here uh, so far. How about with you? You doing good? I am doing great. Like you said, this long weekend, it really throws me off, but mm -hmm. I am excited to have had that extra day to rest because I really needed it. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I am like, you know, we have that extra day off and I'm like, I'm literally going to do nothing today. And I, I love days like that. <laughs> I love them too. But then afterwards, the next day, I'm like, wow, I could have been so productive yesterday, but I wasn't. <laughs> no, you, you don't tell yourself that. You just, you're like, I needed that. And that's, I'm leaving it at that. That's very true. That's such good advice because I think a lot of times we kind of punish ourselves for taking that break. Mm -hmm. And then we end up burning ourselves out and having to take a week off when we could have just enjoyed that one day off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, never beat yourself up for taking time for you because it is, uh, you know, you know best whenever you need to take a break. So shouldn't exactly. beat yourself up. So tell me more about the Neighborhood Series and what inspired you to start it. But I wanted to create this series on Instagram. Um, for a way for everyone to kind of come on there and just share their story. You know, everybody goes through different situations in life and we have things that come up that we don't really understand. And we oftentimes we feel alone and we feel like there's nobody else in the world that is going through, you know, whatever is happening. So I wanted to create this series where I can have people come on and we talk about it and we normalize talking about whatever it is so um you know it can be religious uh religion trauma it can be their coming out story uh depression um it, it doesn't matter it, or we can even just talk about what you did the the week before you know it's just it's a conversation and i kind of keep it that way where it is um you know you kind of just come on and tell me what you want to tell me. And then we kind of explore it and we talk about it. And that to me, whenever I was going through a dark time in my life, talking to people about my depression, about my suicidal thoughts and attempts that helped me um, talking to other people who had similar situations. It helped me get through that. So I absolutely love that. I think a lot of times we think we're the only ones going through something and we're the mm -hmm. only ones feeling that way. And a lot of that stems back to our childhood when people kind of silence us and invalidate mm -hmm. us when we start having emotions and feelings. 
So we kind of suffer in silence. We think we're the only ones in the world going through it because no one else is talking about it because we're all in that same boat. And to have a series where you are bringing people on and letting them share their stories or just talk about what's going on in their lives is so important because not only does it help the person who's talking to you, but everyone listening is like, wow, maybe I'm not alone. And they went through this and look at them. They're getting through it. They've gotten through it. So I can get through this too. It's that little bit of hope and encouragement. And it gives people a starting point as well because they hear what someone else went through, how they got through it. And they're like, wow, maybe I can't afford therapy right now. Maybe there's a long wait to get to therapy. Maybe I'm just not comfortable and ready to go to therapy or medication, or maybe I'm not ready to come out. But look what other people did to get to that point. And now I have a starting point. And I think that is the best gift you can give anybody is that little bit of hope and that starting point. So on behalf of everyone who watches your series, thank you for being you. Oh, thank you so much. So when you started your series, you mentioned about having when you had suicidal thoughts and attempts Mm -hmm. of suicide and you kind of felt alone and you didn't want other people to feel alone. What really were you going through and what helped you realize that other people are going through this too? Um, you know, I dealt with depression my whole life and growing up, um, even today, we don't talk about mental health in the ways that we should. Um, so I felt alone. I didn't know why I was feeling the way I was feeling, could not explain it. Um, and so I, um, you know, whenever I became an adult, I started to kind of put it together and you start understanding more, but even as a child, I wish that I would have known, um, you know, that, that, that some people, they battle with mental health issues and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's normal. And more people deal with it than, than you actually think, um, But, you know, it helped me um, when I admitted myself and I went to the hospital and I started to realize that there were so many more people than just me dealing with this every single day. And that really um, kind of opened my eyes to, you know, what was going on around me. And it all started to make sense. Yeah, I had a very similar experience when I was... Um, I had attempted suicide, hospitalized in a psych ward when I saw how many people out there were struggling. And that was the first time I realized I'm not crazy. This is not my fault. And I'm not alone. There are so many people in this boat. And if only we were talking about it, other people would know. And maybe the suicide attempts would decrease because people would feel supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, th- um, there are so just so many people out there that are struggling and, you know, we need to normalize the conversation so that people don't, I I almost, you kind of have like a a shame to it, you know, like you're ashamed to admit that you struggle with these things. Um, But it's, um, it shouldn't be like that. Exactly. And if you have a cold or you have the flu, you're not ashamed of it. 
if you need glasses or braces, you're not ashamed of it. You shouldn't be ashamed of going to a therapist or a mental health professional and getting some support, some validation, maybe medication mm-hmm. if that's what's needed. But you right. shouldn't feel ashamed of it because it should be just as normal as going to a doctor for your physical health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely never, um, never be ashamed for for seeking help, asking for help, you know, whatever, never be ashamed of that. Exactly. So what was your experience like in the psych ward? Everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of my time walking. Um, you know, it was uh, the nurse's station was in the middle. So it was kind of like, uh, just like a big square. And so I literally, I just did laps all day. Um came kind of became friends with people in there and and that's how I got to talking to people and I started to realize that I am not alone in this you know there are so many other other people that are struggling with mental health um, issues and so it was kind of healing for me to be able to tell my story and for to also it, it was helpful to listen to somebody else um so it was, uh, you know, I w- I, it's kind of odd to say it was a good experience because I don't want to say that, but um, it definitely changed my perspective on life and it changed my perspective how I, how I view things. Um, there was a, an Amish boy that actually came in whenever I was there and that was like so odd to me because I don't know why I thought Amish people wouldn't struggle with mental illness but I just I don't know you um where I grew up in my hometown there are you know Amish people are everywhere and they just they look they just look like they have it together and they're you know they're happy and they go about their days but whenever I got and I sat down with him I was talking with him and sometimes we wouldn't talk sometimes we would just sit together um you know, he was kind of in the same boat as me where he couldn't, he didn't really, he couldn't really, um, he just was feeling lonely and he was feeling sad and he didn't really have a reason to be like that, but just was. Um, and that really um, just kind of opened my eyes and was like, wow, everybody struggles with something, you know, it you're just so used to seeing everybody and everybody has on the smile and you don't know what's going on behind, but everybody is dealing with something. Exactly. It's the many phases of depression Mm -hmm. where you don't know what someone's going through. There is no look and you would Mm -hmm. expect so many people who look like they have it all together to have it all together but it's okay to not have it all together. There's going to be a time in life when you don't have it all together. There are so many stressors that we don't even realize surrounding us. And if we're not taught how to take care of ourselves about self-care, about expressing our emotions and about healing and recovery and just processing, we're going to struggle. Without the tools you need, you're going to struggle. It's like if someone tells you to build a house, but there is no hammers and there are no nails. There's no wood. There's nothing for you to use to build the house, but build it. 
If you don't have the tools, you don't have the foundation that you need. And that's not your fault. That comes to society as a whole for not having these conversations. And that's why people like you starting these conversations, creating these series meant to help amplify people's stories is so, so important because without it, we're stuck in that cycle of no communication, no awareness, no education, no conversation, and everyone suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, I feel like it's, um, people know that it, it's going on, but it's like, they just put it in the corner, you know, they tuck it away and they're like, we don't, we don't have to talk about this. You know, it, it, if we just don't look at it, it'll go away. Exactly. And that's why we suppress so much until it comes mm-hmm. out at the wrong time. I was talking about this earlier today, and it's so funny as kids, when someone maybe like steals a kid's crayon and the kid starts crying and we're like, get over it, grow up. They might Mm. not be be crying because of the crayon. They might be suppressing something else, but we're continuously telling them to suck it up. They're going to grow up continuously sucking everything up until someone else takes something from them or something small happens where they fail a test or they don't get into their dream school or they don't get their dream job or just something happens and they fall apart. Who wouldn't fall apart? Mm. Why is our suicide rate so high among the youth? There, it's not a question why. We know why. We're invalidating people constantly. We're surrounded by all this bad news all the time and we don't have the tools and resources we need to cope because no right. one was talking about it. Right. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Yeah. So when you were hospitalized in the psych ward, when you got out, what was like the most kind of important thing that you learned in that transition time? Um, so the, the moment that I stepped out of the hospital, um, I, I don't, I can't, I don't really know how to describe the emotions that came through me. But as soon as I walked out of that, the hospital doors, I'll never forget the feeling that I had. Um, this just rush of emotion went over me and I started crying and I looked at everything completely different than when I went into, you know, into the hospital. Um, the, the colors of everything, it, they all looked completely different. It was like I had a second chance in in life and that I needed to make the most of it because, um, you know, it really, it was not, you know, um, it it just, it was a a feeling that I cannot describe. I love that. I think a lot of people share these horror stories inside the psych words or how Mm. it was afterwards. I'm definitely one of those people who talks about the lack of follow-up and support all the time. Mm. So it's really nice to hear the people who talk about that success story when you walk out and you feel better because that's what mental health care treatment is supposed to look like. When you come out of there and you have this new perspective or you feel happy to be alive or grateful to be alive where you are ready and comfortable to continue on with your life. I think a lot of people come out and they're not ready. And I think Mm. that's the worst thing in the world is when you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You, and you definitely, you know, you, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, some people, they don't get the follow-up. 
I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't even have an excuse for it because I don't know why, but what I learned was, you know, I took all the tools that I did learn along my way and I kind of just put them all in my bucket. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm kind of, um, you know, I am my biggest support system. So I always just kept those things. I was so used to always taking care of myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, it definitely, when you leave, you have to look at life different. Um, you know, I'm sure whenever you left, you got the, whenever you first went in, they give you that form and they fill out everything on your possession, you know, so they, they write down, I kept that paper. Um, and I look at it every now and then because it's a reminder that I got the second chance. So it had everything on that list of things that I got back. So I had my, my jeans and my shirts and, you know, my wallet and everything else. But it's like, I always tell myself, they left out one little piece on the bottom of that. And that is, I still have my life and I can make the best of today and tomorrow and forever. And I have the second chance to do so many more great things. I absolutely love that. I'm, I have no words. That is so amazing when you come out of there and you have that feeling of having that second chance. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this tool bucket that you had. What mm-hmm. were the most important tools for you during your recovery? Um, definitely. I, I mean, I look at therapy as a tool that's in your bucket. You know, whenever you know that you need to talk to somebody, that's a tool that, that you, you learn to speak up. Um, it doesn't have to just be with a therapist if you have a, a support system. Um, another tool that's in my bucket is meditation. Um, what better way than to kind of just sit and um, really deep dive into what is going on in your mind, and your heart. Um, and then I'm also, I, I love self-care things. I like doing things for myself that make me happy. So, um, and my self-care probably looks completely different from, you know, somebody else. But like, I look at taking walks as my self-care, just in being present with myself. So, and I also put meditation um, in that kind of self-care bucket. So, um, but yeah. I love that. I'm a huge fan of taking walks too and kind of like meditative mm-hmm. walks or I'm outside yeah. and I'm paying attention to the sound of the wind and the leaves rustling in the wind. It's just so yeah. amazing to feel like the presence of the sun on your skin. I love a good walk. It really helps clear your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I love walks and I love, um, I haven't really found a place here yet, but um, I love going for walks where places that you can really appreciate nature and the flowers and everything in life is just beautiful. So I love to kind of surround myself with that. I love that. It's amazing when you can see the beauty of the world around you and really appreciate it. That's when you know that you're really happy to be where you are. And I think that contentness is extremely, extremely important. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt like you really, really needed those coping tools? Mm. I, 
I definitely feel like, um, you know, I could have used those whenever I was younger, growing up. Um, you know, my, my parents got a divorce at a, at a very young age, and I didn't really understand all of that, you know, and you kind of think it's like your fault. Um, so I, I wish that I could go back and show my younger self what I know now um, and be like, you know, let me just show you a few things that, you know, it's going to be okay. What's the one thing you would have told yourself back then? Hmm. I think I would have, and I could tell myself this now too, because I still do this, but I think I would tell myself, don't worry so much, you know, just go in, you know, whatever happens, happens, and we're just going to, we're going to get through it. And we're, let's just take it one day at a time. I love that so much. I think that's probably the most important advice to give to anybody. You're going to get through it, but it really is one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time. We get so caught up dreading about the past and stressing about the future that we never live in the present. And if you live in the present and you take it moment by moment, you'll really see that strength that you have within you every day that's pushing you forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I used to worry a lot about things in the past. And, you know, we kind of worry about the future, um, but we can only worry about it to an extent because we cannot control what is going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow brings, um, but we can focus on right now. And I can focus on, my emotions and my mood and everything in this moment. And that's kind of like, that's what I'm responsible for today. I love that. I always say, what can I do today to prepare me for what tomorrow brings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were also in a toxic relationship for seven years. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit more about that and how you recognize the warning signs so that you could leave the relationship? Yeah, so my relationship I was in for almost seven years. Um, everything started out great, you know, like they all do. Um, and I thought that, you know, I really thought that I was happy with my partner at that time. Um, but then I started to realize a few things, you know, after you're, you're with somebody for a little while, you start to kind of, they start to come become themselves. And I found out real quick that I was with a narcissist and um, just somebody who really did not treat me right um, mentally, um, never physically, but um, so he was, uh, he was always cheating on me and it, our whole relationship, this was going on. And at first I remember being you know, so upset about it, but he was so good at taking a situation and kind of flipping it and making you feel bad and make you feel like it was your fault. Um, and, and I lived like that for, you know, uh, pretty much up until the end of our relationship. But whenever somebody is with you and they make you constantly feel like it's your fault and that, 
you're causing these things to happen all the time, um, that takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on your self-esteem and your confidence that you have in yourself. And so I basically, I just got broken down into not even knowing who I was anymore. And um, it took me a long time to get the courage finally to be like, I am, this isn't my fault. I'm not going to live like this. And, you know, you can only, there's really not an excuse for people to treat you bad. Um, and I, I'm so happy that I got the courage to, it, it took a couple self-help books to kind of build myself back up into that. But then once I, once I got that confidence back, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a badass now. I'm going to finally stand up for myself and, you know, give him a piece of my mind and get out of this situation. So first of all, I have to say, I love that you said self-help books because I mm -hmm. am obsessed with self-help books and they always give me that little piece of encouragement or kind of determination that I need. So I love that that worked for you. Yeah. But also, wow, mm. it must have been terrifying when you got to that point of, I don't know who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And when the person you're in a relationship with is constantly kind of belittling you and make kind of invalidating your feelings when they are hurting you, it has to just be so painful to kind of watch yourself fall into it over and over again, but not be able to get yourself out. Mm -hmm. What was that major like warning red flag sign where you realized, wow, I need to get out of this relationship? Um. I think that the, the biggest thing for me was um, my warning sign was I noticed that I was scared to go to work because I wasn't sure what he was going to do while I was gone, you know, because, and, and that was the, that was, I guess, kind of like, I don't even know if saying this is correct, but it was, that was like his time to, to shine, you know, in his eyes. Um, whenever I was away so it was like that was my wake-up call but I just I never knew I never knew how to get away so what helped you get that kind of courage to learn more about how to get away and eventually break away um, I read this book that's called um, Unact Yourself and I read that book and that book really opened my eyes to, um, you know, you are, you don't have to be responsible for other people and you make decisions for yourself and, you know, you do whatever you have to do uh, sometimes to make your life better. And so that, um, that really was like the kickstart of it all. That is amazing because you are in charge of your life and you don't have to kind of tailor your life and all your decisions around everyone around you but as human beings as compassionate empathetic human beings we tend to do that we want to take care of everyone else even if it comes at a cost to ourselves mm -hmm. yeah. so do you have any advice for someone who 
may think they're in a toxic relationship or may think they're in a relationship with a narcissist of how to kind of start recognizing some signs and putting information together? Um, well, the first, the first thing would be, um, you know, always trust your gut whenever you don't, whenever something doesn't seem right, um, you know, you should always trust whatever your body is kind of telling you. That was kind of always my thing. I always knew whenever the truth wasn't there. Um, but also if there are people kind of around you that start to pick up on that you might be in a toxic environment, you know, listen to them. Sometimes when we're in that situation, um, we don't see it that way because we're used to, you're with that person 24 hours. So you don't always pick up on those uh, red flags or um, the way that you're being talked to or how you're being treated. So always listen to your gut and listen to people on the outside. You're not always going to have people on the outside because sometimes people are like, well, you know, I, I don't really want to interfere with their relationship. It's not, you know, but yeah, if, if people talk to you or if your gut is talking to you, then you need to listen. I think that's amazing advice because we tend not to listen to ourselves or we tend mm -hmm. to second guess ourselves. And then mm -hmm. we think we're making things up in our heads and I'm probably crazy. This isn't right. And then when we go to kind of confront a situation for the first time and we're invalidated or gaslighted or manipulated, we kind of just lose faith in ourselves and in our gut and in our intuition. And then we allow the other person to kind of take control. And you have to listen to yourself and listen to your body. The mind-body connection is real. It's so important. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. When, whenever I finally broke up with my ex, um, you know, he was so good at manipulating everything and he turned everybody around. He turned everybody close to me against me. And he made me into kind of like the villain, like, oh, how could I leave him? And nobody else really knew the backstory. You know, they didn't know the cheating and the he was manipulating them, but they didn't realize it. Um, you know, they didn't see all that other stuff going on. So it was like, at that time, I didn't even really get to tell my story. Nobody, he had already gotten to them and nobody really cared to even ask me, you know, what my side was. That must've felt very isolating. Oh yeah. I felt very alone. Um, and I, can't describe the feeling of even some of my family members kind of like turning their back on me. Um, you know, I, it, yeah, it was, it's very isolating. It's really hard when you're reaching out your hand for support and you just need someone to grab on and they're just shooing you away. It's mm -hmm. like you're drowning and you just need someone to throw you a raft. A lifeline. Yeah. yeah. And they just don't. So in that moment, when you felt so alone, when you felt lost and you had read that book and you started to gain that courage and that confidence, mm -hmm. what was the most important step you did to kind of allow yourself to leave the relationship? I would say um, the, the most important step was 
I did something for me. And I hadn't done that in a very, very, very long time. So that was kind of like my, my like aha moment. I was like, okay, we're on to something here, you know? So that was my putting myself first. I, I wasn't used to that. It's really important to put yourself first. And I hope nowadays you're always putting yourself first because you deserve it. You are the most important person in your immediate circle because without you feeling okay, without you feeling like you're going to get through this, you can't be there for anyone else. It's not selfish to put yourself first because you can't be drowning and save someone else. If you're both drowning, you're both going to drown. So by showing up for yourself, you are showing up for everyone else, or you are allowing yourself to be able to show up for everyone else. You still got to show up, guys, but you should always give yourself that space and that time to get through what you're going through so that you can be there for others. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for joining me today. I absolutely love talking to you and all the amazing advice you offer. Just thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you for, I'm glad that our paths crossed and that we were able to sit down and do this.